Hey guys, real quick, this is Drew here, and uh, this episode, we're sitting down with David Gagne. He is co-owner of Minutemen Ordnance Company, based out of Quitman, Texas, and he is an SDI graduate. Uh, had an amazing conversation with him, and we're very excited to share that with you. Hope you enjoy. Ignition sequence start. Three, two, one... Lock and load. It's time for the gun rack with your hosts, Joey and Drew. All right, everyone. I am with Dave Gagne. He is the co-owner of Minuteman Ordnance Company based out of Texas, and he is also an SDI grad. Dave, thanks for hopping on, man. Yeah, no problem. Anytime. So... As I mentioned, you're the co-owner of Minuteman Ordnance Company, um, and that's with your brother, your sister-in-law, and your dog nephew? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so real quick, can you explain everyone's roles? I mean, obviously, the dog is the one calling all the shots. Yeah, and somehow she winds up being employee of the month every month, too, which is <laughs> pretty oh, no. frustrating, but... Uh... Uh, pretty much the roles are very simple because we are a small business. Uh, we, all three of us do everything. That's what it boils down to. Uh, for me, the majority of the, the roles that I fill or fulfill rather is uh, marketing, advertising, promoting. I work on some of the guns. I've outsourced a, a lot of our gunsmithing actually. Um, and I'm more of an, even in an oversight role just due to how, how busy we've gotten. But uh Realistically, I handle the majority of that. Uh, my brother also assists in sales, and he's our de facto CFO and handles all of our acquisitions for the most part. And then my sister-in-law is uh, running the logistics train and uh, keeping everything in order in the back of the house. So, And the dog is uh, entertainment. I'm sure it does a great job at that. Yeah. yeah. It, your brother's name is Mike, correct? Correct. Cool. Just want to make sure. So Minuteman Ordnance Company, Y'all started at the end of 2020, is that correct? That is correct. Yeah, we started at the height of uh, COVID. And actually, uh, that's really what uh, uh, drove us to opening this business. Uh, it's actually what drove me to enrolling with uh, Sonoran Desert Institute. I enrolled pretty much when uh, everything else was shut down and I was out of work. It's something I've always been interested in, firearms in general. When I was in the Marine Corps, my call sign was Tackleberry from awesome. Police Academy. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was uh, working with foreign weapons a lot and things like that. And it's always been a passion of mine. So once I was out of work, my brother was out of work due to COVID, uh, I immediately enrolled in Sonoran Desert Institute and uh, we started planning this operation. So, so kind of touching on that topic of, you know, the flaring up of COVID, I've heard a lot of different perspectives from a lot of different business owners. You know, some saw it as a blessing in disguise. Others saw it as a challenge that was a struggle, but they really had to overcome. How do you think you guys saw that? Uh, a combination of both, right? Had it not been for COVID, I'd probably, I, I was living in Hawaii at the time, managing a gym at Waikiki Beach. Had COVID not happened, I probably would have continued to waste my time doing that rather than uh, pursuing my own interests. But anytime that um, 
there are systems put in place that um, don't allow you to be in control of a lot of aspects of your business and restrictions put in place and everything like that, uh, where you know the economy is in uncharted territories, consumer confidence is realistically at, at a at a very uneasy state, it's difficult to want to open a business, especially in, in the retail sphere. So there are definitely challenges that needed to be overcame, especially with just bringing people back into a store, right? With it being the dot-com age, it's already hard enough as it is. And then with COVID and nobody wanting to be close to each other, that uh, that created a lot of other obstacles for us to overcome as well. And in the firearms industry, it's a very hands-on industry, obviously, because we can't mail guns to customers anyway. We had to drive traffic into the store. So it was a big challenge, but also definitely a blessing. And realistically, anytime that you're challenged, it's definitely a blessing because it's always something that you can learn from in the future. For sure. I totally agree. So, yeah, I happened to come across an article that uh, Wood County Monitor did. Mm-hmm. So if I bring up stuff, that's how I know it. It's not, you know, I did your homework. I like it. So I know you've mentioned in the past that you and your brother grew up around firearms. Yes. Know, pretty much just right off the bat. And it also mentioned that you both had a dream of starting a firearms business. Correct. I mean, really, it's any kid that grows up around guns, but there's, there's always a, a draw to the weapon. You know, prior to firearms, it was the sword. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I guess prior to swords, I guess it was the perfectly shaped stone. But for a certain type of uh, male, there is a draw in females. There is a draw to the weapon, a draw to the firearm. And uh, I think both of us got that bug early on. And we talked about it off and on as a man, that would be a, a really cool thing to do. That'd be really awesome. And we always had this vision of uh, what our gun store would look like. And um, what we really wanted to do was create a space that is a hangout, right? Because as a, as a male, we've lost barbershops. We've lost our hardware stores. Uh, there's really not a place for guys to go just hang out. And uh, especially in gun stores, because most gun stores now are just big box retail shops, you know, what, and, and what have you. It's like your Bass Pros and, and things like that. And that the relationship of uh, gun ownership is, is, has really left this market and uh, something that we wanted to bring back. So right in the middle of our show when we've got some lounge chairs and it's just a spot to for us to hang out and talk about guns, which is, you know, kind of every, everybody's dream. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. And that's a, a really good point about sort of that relational aspect with your customers and just that community in general. In fact, I was going to say this for later, but we can go and skip to it. Let's talk a little bit about your business philosophy. So I noticed that you guys place a heavy emphasis, not just on, you know, the obvious retail aspect of, you know, your business. So you're trying to sell your product, but there's also a heavy emphasis on education. Yes. I think that's uh, part of our blood. Both of our parents were educators and uh, I think we just love teaching in general, but uh, the biggest thing I've seen when it comes to gun ownership, uh, especially in the uh, defensive firearm ownership concealed carry world is people purchase the firearm and then have this false sense of confidence and or bravado wrapped around the gun. And there is a really limited amount of actual training happening. So my brother always says that the gun store is kind of the candy shop that lures people in and then we get them hooked on training. And uh, we offer a lot of free training courses for that reason. 
uh, to create that low barrier of entry to get people into training, understanding that there are a lot of new and modern concepts out there and that what they may or may not have seen in Hollywood and how gunplay works is it's not really realistic nor uh, translatable into the real world. So that's, that's our big focus and uh, a big part of our philosophy. Yeah. I learned that not necessarily a hard way, but the first time I went to a gun range, I thought I was going to be like Clint Eastwood out there. Yeah. Right. And then, yeah, as soon as I was holding, you know, cause this is one of my first times holding like a semi-automatic handgun. I'm like, slide bite. Yeah. No, luckily not. Luckily not. My brother-in-law, he's a cop. So he was kind of able to, mm-hmm. you know, walk me through it. But, you know, I thought it was going to be so cool and kind of had that like sense of bravado. Yeah. Uh, and uh, learn quickly that wasn't going to be the case for long. As a business owner, mm-hmm. what would you say inspires you? Again, obviously, everyone is going to want to have a livelihood. Um, right. So apart from that, I'd say, what would be your chief inspiration with the job? Right. It's, you know, it's always good to make money and pay bills. But uh, the, the reason why we're doing this is, is really uh, fulfilling the legacy of the American Minuteman. We chose our name, the name of our company for a reason. And what we really wanted to do was bring back a sense of community to small town America. And, you know, everybody, when Minuteman is mentioned, there's two things that people think about, either an intercontinental ballistic missile or, you know, us fighting tyranny against uh, the, uh, the British Empire. But the, the concept of the Minuteman goes way beyond that. And it was communities coming together and helping one another. And um, th- there was no such thing as 911 then. People had to self-rescue whether it was, you know, crime or, or whatever it was that you don't, you couldn't dial 911 in, in colonial America, you had the Minuteman and to have individuals that at a moment's notice could assist their community in whatever means that was necessary at that time is really what we want to bring back and instill back into our communities. And um, with what the Minuteman became through the Revolutionary War, it was really easy to start that out with a gun store and then start trying to really profess our ideologies and um, commitment uh, to the community. And uh, it's, it's really starting to take hold. I think people are really starting to realize, and not just from us. I mean, I'm not, we're not the only company that's doing this, obviously. There's much larger companies that are doing this as well. But our focus is on home and the community that we're in today. It's really starting to help people realize that Oh yeah, I mean, if I need to call the police, they're they're not showing up when I actually need them. They're showing up after I need them. Um, same thing with uh, an ambulance. If I need, and we're in rural Texas, if I need an ambulance, it may take them half an hour to get to my location. There may only be two ambulances on call at any given time in this county, and this is a very large county, so they may both be tied up, and who knows when my they will get there in my time of need. So helping people understand basic medical concepts and emergency stop the bleed and things of that nature is another huge focus of ours. And, uh, you know, again, we start out with guns because guns are the allure, but there's so much more to this lifestyle than just firearms. Mm-hmm. I was actually going to ask you about equipment. Um, yeah. Hometown yep. of Sissy Spacek. What was that? Of Sissy Spacek? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I, did, I didn't even know she was from Texas. Yeah. I, I yeah. probably should have guessed that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so um, equipment, is that uh, sort of like geographically speaking, where does that lie within Texas? 
Okay, so we're about 100 miles east of Dallas, due east, and about 100 miles west of the Arkansas-Louisiana border. So we're kind of in that northeast corner of Texas, kind of in, uh, it's, it's, we're in what's known as the bass capital of Texas. This is like the bass fishing mecca for the state. There's a, we're right on Lake Fork, if anybody out there knows anything about bass fishing, it's one of the more popular slash famous uh, bass fishing locations. So that's kind of what the, I guess I wouldn't say tourism, but what the draw is, the visitor draw is for this area of the reservoirs. And other than that, it's just kind of in the border of like the piney woods part of Texas and rolling hills and forests. It's basically all it is in lakes. Um, Predominantly agricultural in its uh, GDP. Gotcha. Are you guys originally from that area? Me more so than my brother. We, uh, we, uh, I was born in Dallas. We started our family in Dallas, uh, or my, my dad raised, started to raise us in Dallas my, with my mother when she passed away in the early 90s when I was a kid. Um, he took us and transplanted us out here into the country so mm-hmm. we could kind of find ourselves, I guess, is uh, what we were doing. And mm-hmm. you know, here we are today. So it's, it's definitely worked out. Yeah. Yeah. Just kind of filling in that gap of time, you, enrolled in the marines at 18 yeah right after high school i went to boot camp and you served 13 years is that correct yep 13 years wow and your brother actually also served in the correct correct yeah in the mid 90s gotcha well first question who's the better shot for pistols uh myself uh i would say for like pistols at short intermediate range carbines but if there's a a longer range precision shot, I'm leaning on him to make that shot. Mm-hmm. That's a very diplomatic answer. I applaud you. Yeah, I was fully expecting, you know, because I know with my sibling, I'd totally be like, yeah, no, it's me all day. Yeah. Every day. I, I've seen some videos that you've actually posted on social media for mm-hmm. uh, Minuteman. You are incredibly fast on the draw. Yes. That's right. kind of what I'm known for. Uh, yeah. There, there again, there are plenty of people that are faster than me out there, but uh, I had the privilege to spend some time with some really cool people while I was in the Marine Corps, and they taught me a lot. I had some opportunities afforded to me to, to work in uh, some really awesome places and, and, and learn some really cool things. And, and that's one of my biggest things. And what I'm most happy about in the position that I'm in now is that now I can take what I learned throughout 20 years of constant warfare and the global war on terror and uh, provide those training opportunities uh, and, and that knowledge to people here where I grew up. And I think that's really cool. Can I ask what you did while you were in the Marines? Yes, uh, predominantly I worked in the intelligence community. Um, I know there's that stereotype, can't put military and intelligence together, but uh, for the most part, just working on finding the bad guy and letting other guys go deal with them. Gotcha. Was the Marine Corps something that you and your brother had always wanted to do? Or did it just seem like a sort of a logical step out of high school? Well, you know, it was two different eras because he joined the Marine Corps, I think, in 1996. It's a different time. I think he was really, I'm speaking for him, so it's not 100% true. It's just my opinion. Um, I think there's always a, a draw to the Marine Corps as a, as a young man, as a, as a proving ground. For me, it was a little bit different. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Oh, well, I, I wanted to play in the NBA, but... I stopped growing at five foot eight. Uh, so I knew that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> You're telling uh, me that. that dream was uh, squashed. Um, I wasn't quite sure what I was going to do. The, the logical next step was to go to college. I had great grades and everything like that. And I was already 
going to a junior college for dual credit classes while I was in high school. But one morning, my dad was reading the Wall Street Journal at breakfast. My, it was my junior year, uh, end of my junior year. And um, he was reading the story of Corporal Jason Dunham. And uh, it was about a young Marine in Iraq who was conducting a vehicle checkpoint that was ambushed. And he got into a hand-to-hand fight with uh, an insurgent there on the side of the road. The insurgent pulled pin on a grenade. And uh, in order to save his fellow Marines, he jumped on that hand grenade, ultimately losing his life. And that really stuck with me. In my mind at that time, I couldn't justify not serving my country when other people were willingly sacrificing their lives for their brothers and sisters in uniform. So a few weeks later, later, I joined the delayed entry program and enlisted in the Marine Corps and went to boot camp as soon as I uh, graduated high school. Now, let's shift a little bit. Okay. Um, and you kind of mentioned how SDI sort of first came into the picture. How did you first hear about SDI? I think it was uh, one of your silly Facebook ads. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. it, I mean, so this was... I think it was either a Facebook ad or, you know, someone mentioned it in in a YouTube video. I can't remember exactly what it was, but I do remember around the time that COVID was kicking off, I started to notice uh, Sonoran Desert Institute really pushing themselves out into the forefront of, of gunsmithing. And I thought it was kind of interesting because typically, you know, prior to STI, the only way you become a gunsmith is through an apprenticeship where you get, you know, you go into some crusty old man's workshop. And you sweep the floor for him for six months, and then maybe he'll let you touch a gun, you know, if you if you're deemed worthy. And um, I thought it was really cool that um, you know SDI was really trying to bring gunsmithing to the forefront of the digital age. And uh, I definitely, you know, put that in my back pocket and be you know, like, oh, it'd be cool if I could do that one day. And then I was out of the job, and uh, every building, every business in Hawaii was boarded up. So I was like, you know, maybe. Uh, this is the time to do that. And um, I think when I started talking to the uh, staff at SDI and asking them questions, I realized that it was more than just a gunsmithing school, which is, for me, uh, planning on opening my own business, I felt that that was uh, a value, very valuable resource because I didn't, I like working on guns and tinkering on guns. Don't necessarily like doing it for everybody else. You know what I mean? I like helping yeah. other people, but um, I like messing with my own stuff more so than theirs. And um, I didn't necessarily see myself just working on firearms as a career, but I definitely saw it as an opportunity to structure a business around and or have that be supplemental to my actual goal. Sure, sure. And you mentioned the online format Mm -hmm. uh, of SDI. What was that like for you navigating that I, I thought it was great. I've done a lot of online courses in the past and uh, it was very user-friendly. And um, when I needed to get in a hold of instructors and or faculty, uh, very easy to do so, which I felt like was very important. And the resource bank that was provided was phenomenal within the library because you know I've taken online classes in the past at, at your traditional university style. And it's there's not a lot of additional resources past the curriculum that you're assigned. And uh, with something like gunsmithing, it's incredibly important to, to have those resources because firearms are it's a very fluid industry. And, you know, no 
two guns, even modern pistols are, are alike and no two problems, even on the same firearm are identical. So when you're dealing with that many moving parts and, and, and that many things and with the hundreds of millions of different firearms that are out there, it's something that needs a lot more than just a rigid curriculum. There needs to be something else beyond that. And that's what I really like. So yes, there is a structured curriculum to SDI, but if you're really interested in, and, and it's, for lack of a better word, it's, it's a very easy curriculum to pass. But if you really want to get into this business, it's about, you know, if you're a gamer, it's about doing the side quests, you know what I mean? Mm. Actually being a little bit deeper than just, okay, I have to do this discussion paper and then this assignment every week in order to get my A. Um, it's about, okay, this is what I'm reading and learning about this week. What else is there to this? And how can I apply that to my business or what I want to do within the world of firearms? Mm. And uh, that's what I really appreciated about it. Gotcha. Are you a gamer? Not really. My, my brother is. Uh, he okay. games, a lot, games a lot harder than I do. You mentioned that the instructors were you know, accessible yeah. uh, and you were able to reach out to them. Did you have a favorite instructor or like a favorite class while you were at SDI? Favorite instructor? No, but I did really enjoy the, the business management class, which I think was actually really helpful and helped me with the proof of, proof of concept with this business. And uh, we had just gotten this store open when I took that class and we just started to generate revenue and just got our FFL and we're just starting to sell guns and just starting to see money come in. And yeah. uh, it was really interesting to go through that class in particular as I'm um, starting this business and uh yeah it was it was pretty awesome cool you know, graduated into 2022 beginning of 2021 and mm-hmm. your business started into 2020 right correct so take me through that first year that first year of being a business owner okay well we really didn't know what we were doing <laughs> business wise i mean we, we obviously did but you know, there's a lot of fear going into that. And, uh, you know, I was still, I was, you know, full-time with SDI and uh, that GI Bill money was kind of paying the bills uh, while, because uh, we weren't paying ourselves uh, to get this business running. And uh, it was um, a, a lot of pressure, right? Because mm-hmm. essentially we, we put all of our eggs into this basket. I literally sold pretty much everything I owned and flew back from Hawaii uh, to start this business. I landed uh, in Dallas and we immediately started to look for a place, a, a location, essentially started scouting locations that day. I had appointments with realtors that day and it was, you know, a hundred percent or nothing for us. Tie that in with the uncertainty of, uh, of course, the firearms market and of course, just the eco- uh, economy in general, being in the middle of COVID was also a little bit of added stress, but uh, we put everything we had into it all of the time that we had into it, and uh, which was really important anytime you're starting a new business. Luckily for us, the community here was incredibly supportive to us, and uh, what we were offering was kind of a unique take on your typical gun store, even before we had guns in here, and uh, it kind of took off, and it... Mm -hmm really exceeded our first three months expectations. And, uh, you know, the hardest part in that industry at that time was, you know, acquiring inventory in the firearms world. 
because especially ammunition and we pulled a lot of strings and I've worked a lot of my connections through my previous career in order for us to have inventory on the shelves. And that really kind of set us apart when everybody else was, you know, had dry holes on their shelves. So we had something there. It wasn't a lot, but we always had something on our shelves for people to buy. And then we started, you know, professing our philosophies and training and things like that. And uh, started opening up free training to individuals mm-hmm. and uh, started to create quite a buzz in the community and uh, really just blew up beyond our expectations. Yeah. Well, I'd definitely say that the uh, that equipment accepted you guys with open arms. Your company was the recipient of the 2022 Small Business of the Year Award in Quitman. Yes, yes, um, which was very humbling. You know, Quitman is a small town. There's about 2,000 people in this town. But being that one of its slogans is the gateway to Lake Four, which has over 350,000 visitors every year, there are a ton of small businesses and amazing small companies within the city limits and within that fall under Quitman's Chamber of Commerce. So it was very humbling to receive that award. There's, I mean, we were inspired to move equipment because of the other small businesses that are here and, and, the, and the family of people that work uh, in these little shops. And uh, yeah, that was, that was a really awesome and humbling experience and definitely was um, a validating thing that, okay, we, we can do this and uh, we're, we're doing, we're doing something right at least, you know? Yeah. Especially being able to come out of that first year and kind of like, okay, not only did we survive, we made it. And this is that validation. Yeah. So you sat down with Sean O'Rourke, who funny enough, I think is also from North Carolina, but like me, you guys were mainly talking sort of, you know, on the topic of gun control. Um, You're active on social media. I believe you still are having your live stream series, Making Ready with MoCo. Yep. Um, being a gun-centric business, I know that in particular with the live streams, you guys were having some trouble with, you know, sort of the social media blocking oh, yes. and censorship and stuff. If I'm not mistaken, you still do it on Instagram and Facebook, but not so much YouTube? Not doing much on YouTube right now. It was really challenging. Apparently, you can't even really hold guns. This is what YouTube was telling me. Can't even really hold guns on a live stream on YouTube. So, um, and I like, I really like doing things live because it's raw, it's unedited, it's, it's, it's very natural rather than the world we live in today on Instagram and social media. Everything's filtered, everything's edited, everything is what the recorder is wanting you to see and i like mistakes to be shown i I like the humanity aspect of it so i like doing the lives and i like instant interaction with individuals when they have questions so i really like those wednesday live streams uh but it is a constant a constant struggle with uh right now my my both my personal facebook account and our business account is on a 30-day restriction so we're at the bottom of everybody's news feeds it's a constant struggle i wouldn't deal with social media at all if it wasn't such a a low barrier of entry to reach the most amount of people you know i get sales people coming into my store every day trying to get me to buy 50 dollar or 150 dollar a week ads in these little thrifty nickel papers Mm -hmm. nobody reads those they use them for their garden you know um i have free access to billions of people via social media and uh, i just have to navigate the restrictions as best I can. But when you're a small company with not a very large budget at all, because everything essentially is going to inventory right now. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's really challenging 
to market and advertise and things like that. So, you know, Facebook and Instagram are a necessary evil. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I just do the best I can with what they don't take down or censor. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did you like sort of first get your start in that marketing aspect of business? Um, you know, I was fortunate again in my travels in the Marine Corps to have just networked a lot and known a lot of people. So already my individual Facebook had quite a large following. I've got like 50, well, quite a lot large for me anyway. There's plenty of people that have a much, I'm not Jocko Willink or anything, (laughs) Uh, but a lot of people are, are, do follow me on Facebook. And it's like 5,500. I've know a lot of people through my travels. Um, and so that's kind of where I started, you know, telling them, Hey, this is what I'm doing and everything else like that. And as we were starting up, we didn't have our FFL yet. So we had to sell something. So we made t-shirts mm-hmm. and uh, that really blew up. And I was selling t-shirts literally all over the world uh, to friends of mine that were stationed overseas in Lebanon, you know, Korea, Japan, across the United States, of course in Hawaii, um, all over Europe, uh, which was pretty cool to get that sort of support. And that's, that's really how the marketing started. And then, you know, the rest of it was just being real about the industry and, and having being real, especially when it comes to defensive pistol, because there's so many gimmicks out there. There's so many just total BS Facebook ads out there for just absolute garbage products. And, uh, in our store, we're a very small storefront. We don't have any gimmick products in here. It's only products that uh, we've personally vetted and or we trust our own lives with and our family members' lives with. And that's that's all we carry in, in that world. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that resonated with a lot of people is this is a, a resource that can be trusted. We don't care about being millionaires or just making, you know, quick bucks off of people. We, you know, wholeheartedly believe in what we're doing and we're passionate about it. And um want to give people those tools and resources that they they need to to feel confident and competent and the security of their their lives and their family members Mm -hmm. well i mean everything you've said and everything i've read about you guys it really does kind of come back to that personal touch that right that almost communal aspect um absolutely i don't consider myself a gun dealer i like to call myself a gun tailor right mm -hmm. when someone picking out a firearm it's not just okay here's the Glock because it's popular. I mean, why, why do you need this gun? Why do you want this gun? What, what's your experience as a shooter? Uh, no experience. Why don't you come and shoot with us before you make any decisions? It's totally free. Um, and just let people one hear where we're coming from and uh, whether it is something that they're going to take and utilize or not, it's still another tool for their toolbox. And we give them the why and the proof of concept behind it. And then uh, we let them make a, a really informed decision. And whether they purchase the firearm from us or not, it's, it's no big deal. It's whether I want them to have the right firearm in their, in their hands when they need to use it. Yeah, we offer that to them as a, as, as a free opportunity to learn if this gun is actually right for them. If, you know, what our concepts are, are is right for them. If not, it's just, you know, a tool for their toolbox with an unbiased opinion and a proof of concept behind it. And, you know, there's a lot of people that tell you should own this gun or this gun or this gun, but they don't necessarily give you the why. And here's the thing. I mean, if there was just one, you know, firearm that ruled the ball, there would only be that one firearm. You know, every individual shooter is very different. And uh, we want to find that right fit for them while providing them with a very reliable pistol that they can trust, especially pistols. For sure. For sure. Now, I saw December of last year, 
y'all had a post saying that you were working on building a new permanent location. Are you there now or is that yeah. still ongoing? It's uh yeah, it's it's still in the works. Uh we've purchased the the property and have that all lined up, but uh you know the the concept was to have an indoor range, large larger retail space, uh two classrooms and a, and a large workshop. Uh we've uh put that on hold as the construction costs went through the roof. Mm -hmm. uh, within two weeks, our initial construction bid uh, tripled in cost. So we're really waiting for that to level out so we can still maintain a good quality of uh, life, especially, uh, you know, mental, mentally, yeah. uh, not having this incredibly expensive construction project weighing on our shoulders where we have to pay, pay those bills. Mm -hmm. uh, still enjoy our time here and offer training for free. So we're waiting for construction costs to, to level out a little bit. We're in a better position to do that. Nice. And that's going to be downtown equipment, right? Yeah. We're, it's essentially 75 feet from where we are right ah, now. Well. Built strong <laughs> yeah. Should help with moving. Right. Yeah. I also saw something like, I don't know if this is still like sort of how you guys are going to go about it again with the rising construction costs and everything. But I saw something that it was going to be an Alamo styled exterior. Yes. I mean, that's definitely what we want to do, you know, tie in, you know, those, that traditional Texas architecture. And, uh, you know, that's, that's part of the draw, right? A gun yeah. store should be, look like the Alamo if you're in Texas, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. That's just, so sick. We're, we're right on the, the square of, of the county seat. So we're right across the parking lot from the courthouse. So we want it to look really yeah. nice, you know. Having almost that visual symmetry. Mm -hmm. between, yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll definitely have to try to get a crew down there or something like that. Oh, yeah. We'd love that. So I got two more questions for you because I don't want to take up all your time. I really appreciate you talking with us. Yeah. No um, worries. What would you say to someone who was considering enrolling at SDI? Uh, I would say definitely do it if you're interested in firearms. Um, not just in the gunsmithing aspect, but if, if you're interested in, in having pursuing any career that's firearms related, it uh, it would really open your eyes to what that industry is like. And uh, if you don't necessarily want to add the burdens and stresses of owning your own business, the resources that SDI provides to new grads and in placement, I think is incredible. I don't think there's another organization, especially one that is an educational resource that SDI is that is providing those sort of opportunities in uh, placement and career opportunities. I think that is so awesome. It's such a great resource. I don't know if you're familiar at all with SDI's podcast, The Gun Rack. No. Um, me and Joey actually host it. And awesome. Yeah. You can check it out. Uh, yeah. But uh, we have a um, we have a couple segments that we typically do from week to week. One of them is Tales from the Range, which is okay. like sort of we usually consist of me cultivating stories like going on message boards and finding stories that people have shared about, you know, typically funny things that have happened to them or that they've seen happen on a gun range. Okay. Um, or if they went out hunting or something like that. And I got to ask you, since you've been around firearms your whole life, do you have a funny story from a time where you went to the range or went hunting or whatever? What type of story are you looking for? I mean, the, the problem uh, with funny stories from the range is typically 
the funny stories that you read are also definite lessons learned in gun safety, right? For sure. Someone, someone hopefully typically got a free lesson, you know what I mean? And gun yeah. safety. Yeah. Um, but you know, uh, the, the my funniest things that I typically see happens to me a lot is really trying to go fast and, uh, the magazine falls out of that pistol, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, that's, that's always the funny one. I've got a, I've got a Glock that I'm working on. That I'm going to take to some USPSA matches this fall that it's got, it's a gen three and it's got a really extended magazine release, which is great. So I don't have to break my grip to reload, but if I'm really driving that gun the magazine dumps out and it's, uh, it's, it's always in that moment, you know, I, I, do, I film a lot on social media. It's always in that moment where I've got someone out there that is really good at videography and editing. <laughs> yeah. that's when you screw up. And, yeah. Uh, or you go up to the firing line and you just completely spaced and actually didn't load your firearms. So you go out there and this is what my, my friends and I, we catch each other. It's my favorite thing when you drive that pistol out and you're unloaded and you've got that flinch. That's, that's always the funniest thing that we, yeah. that we brag each on each other about. Let's see one individual, just absolutely funny moment. Okay. I don't know. Um, I, the funniest thing to me was always when I was in the Marine Corps, Marine Corps ranges and uh, someone does something dumb there. And cause the tower then gets to call it out on everybody else. So like, yeah. like you know, when uh, target 23 was shooting on target 29 or I saw one where target 15 was shooting on target uh, 47. Somehow. And I don't know how they figured that <laughs> out. Deductive reasoning there, but how that happened, I still don't know to this day. It wasn't me, I swear to God. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, uh, how they made it all the way across the firing line, I'm not sure. That was in Camp Lejeune. So in like Golly. 2000, in like 2011. So if anybody was was there and they know that shooter, let me know how they did that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. This is a call out. You know. Yeah. We'll we'll keep your identity anonymous. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All right, once again, we wanted to take the time to thank David for coming on to the pod, uh, for talking about his experience at SDI, what's going on with Minutemen Ordnance Company. Until next time, that is the gun rack. Have fun, stay safe out there, and we will see you at the range. Sonoran Desert Institute is an online school accredited by the DEAC. It is headquartered at 1555 West University Drive in Tempe, Arizona. For more information about how you can craft your firearms future, visit sdi.edu.